Hey Ed, how you doing? Pretty good, yeah. Just back from my travels myself, you know, just in time for the, the traditional season curtain raiser thingy ball bet uh, at Wembley on Sunday. I can't believe you just used the phrase the traditional curtain season curtain raiser. I'm I'm excited. Um it's the uh, it's the charity shield. Um no, it's not even called the charity shield anymore, is it? No why, why what do you know why that happened? Uh, because the FA decided they no longer wanted to give all the profits from the game to charity, but uh, the community, including FA-related uh, uh, community projects and that kind of thing, which they didn't want to fund themselves. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's not called the Charity Shield anymore just because they're not giving the money to charity. Yeah. Uh, rebranding. Um, so, Ed, first of all, how, how's your uh, summer been since the World Cup finished? Threadbare. I had to go a whole nine days before United played between the World Cup final and and United playing uh, Toronto in uh, in the said Canada in, in the preseason tour. So yeah, it was it was pretty awful during that time. That was a rough nine day long summer break you had there, during which time I imagine you wrote lots of scathing articles about the Glazers on your website UnitedRamp.co.uk. Would I ever do something like that? <laughs> Um, I think that's basically I, I just imagine you when the football's not on just sitting there looking up financial information about the Glazer family to give yourself some sort of fix well you know you know me I get turned on by statistics and numbers and <laughs> uh, charts and, and all that kind of stuff you know just for the reader's pleasure of hearing me rant about it which they love so much absolutely um, the, the, the one lesson that I've learned this summer really Ed is that, that you're not a United fan uh, the internet seems to believe that you are sort of, I don't know, <laughs> some really elaborate ruse by a Liverpool fan trying to bring down the Manchester United uh, regime from within. Yes, it's right. It's true. You've caught me. After after six years of doing this, I've finally been caught. I'm an anti-Ferguson, anti-United, red-hating lunatic who uh, who 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 spouts all this nonsense, not because he believes in uh, just calling it as he sees it to coin an american phrase but uh because i hate the club with such a vicious passion um or or not yeah no um i, I i've known uh edward a long time uh lo- longer than pretty much uh anyone that's not related to him by blood and uh I'd just like to assure you all that he is actually a Manchester United fan who has the best interests of the club at heart. Uh, although I, I could be part of the ruse, couldn't I? Anyway, enough of such ridiculous things. Have you enjoyed our extremely um, non-commercially motivated pre-season tour of the North American Peninsula? The outpost, uh, what was once our empire yeah I, I mean i still think of it as the colonies to be honest um <laughs> but uh, yes i did actually it, it was it was good to see a mix of players uh clearly it was a commercial enterprise right uh, united was asking about two million dollars a game so they did quite well out of uh you know five games or, or whatever it was uh on the on the continent and uh, mixed mixed performances as I, I guess you'd probably expect um, from pre-season. So you know a, a lot of players missing, of course, uh, those that uh, were injured or uh, those that went to the World Cup, and a chance for a few of the younger players, although you know, not a huge amount of them, to to you know play some games and impress. And uh, I, I guess uh, a few players really did impress. Uh, Javier Hernandez made 
a significant impact in the three games that he played in uh, the US, Mexico and then in Ireland the other night. And uh, Tom Cleverley seems to have played his way into the United First Team squad this season. Um, Federico Macheda scored a couple of goals. Uh, Welbeck looked, you know, okay, but he'll he'll certainly go out alone. Whereas I'm afraid your um, your favourite Dimmy had a pretty awful pre-season. Let's just you know hope he's having a slow start. And uh, when the, when the, the real business <laughs> starts on Sunday, and he'll be you'll be top quality again. <laughs> he's going to score. My first prediction of what will be a prediction heavy show: Dimitar Berbatov is going to score 25 goals this season for Manchester United. That is my prediction. I'm sticking my neck out. And you can decry my abilities as a fun football pundit if he scores less than 25 goals this season. All right, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it'll happen, but um, yeah, let, let's hope he does. Let's hope he does for his sake. Yeah, absolutely, as well as the club. So um, you'd say that that uh, cleverly and uh, Hernandez were the standout features of the of the preseason tour. They're the, they're the players that you think have, have performed the best. Well, um, they're they're players that come to mind simply because they they caught the eye, uh, both uh, because essentially they're new players to to United's fans. I mean, we've seen cleverly uh, in the reserves, uh, obviously, and at Watford, um, but to the vast majority of of fans watching United, he's a brand new player and very exciting at that, and he's very versatile and he's an attacking player and he scores goals and he looks like he's got a good touch, obviously. Um, and scored a blinding goal against the All-Stars side. And um, and then Hernandez just looks very exciting, doesn't he? And I, I think already perhaps there are too many expectations on him. I mean, moving club and continent, uh, country, and, and, and all of that it, it normally requires a significant betting in period. And may, maybe it helps him because he's young. Maybe he's just very confident. Maybe he's just a brilliant player. And time will tell on all of those. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I... It, it, it will be remarkable if he hits the ground running in the United side and scores 20 goals this season. I, I don't think it will happen, um, but he looks like a great asset already. I mean, one of the reasons that it it seems to me to be unlikely to happen is just um, his place in the squad, because it's not like United are going to start playing 4-4-2 every week, is it? No, certainly not. I, I, it's a 4-3-3, 4-5-1 formation for... I would say the majority of games. I mean, we might say we might see four four two on Sunday against Chelsea. Uh, we, we may well see against Newcastle and and Blackpool and West Ham and all those early season games too. Um, but I think when it comes to the really big crunch games, say Liverpool on September the nineteenth and the the uh, the fixture against Arsenal in late September and, and uh, certainly when Champions League starts up again in in mid September. Then again, we're going to be looking at one up front, and that will be Rooney unless he's fit. And then the really interesting thing comes after that because um, Hernandez obviously uh, did play on his own up front in the one game he started for Mexico, and, and, and in fact, um, in the three games he came on as a substitute. Uh, that's the formation they play. And he looks like a player who uh, not only will benefit from the ball over the top, but uh, has got a neat enough touch that he can bring other players into play. So maybe that offers United a few other options there, which we didn't have last season. And I think certainly we saw that Dimitar Berbatov just isn't suited to playing that role on his his own up front. And uh, that, that really didn't help him, the player, and uh, seemed by the end of the season to destroy his confidence somewhat. Yeah, um, and... 
it's interesting because, you know, essentially we haven't had anyone. I mean, it was very clear at the end of last season we didn't have anyone that could replace Rooney um, as a like-for-like -like replacement. Not not saying Hernandez will be able to do that in terms of his ability to make an impact, but his ability to fit into that system, which suits some of the rest of United's creative players, could be uh, could be potentially very interesting. Um, do you think how many games do you think Tom Cleverley will play a part in this season? 10 or 15 I mean it would be a real surprise if he plays any more than that actually I'm pretty surprised that he hasn't gone out on loan because all the noises coming out of United all summer uh, was that he would be and I wonder whether um, a behind the scenes attempted deal say for a young German playmaker just hasn't come off and so they've decided to keep him uh, because uh, as as recently as uh, as like three or four days ago he was definitely being hawked around the the clubs um and so that, that's a major u-turn from united it's it's not that they all of you know all along had planned to keep him it, that wasn't the case at all so it's a, it's a surprise it's great opportunity for him i mean he's clearly a talented player it's also a massive leap in quality i mean from playing lower half of championship last season to uh being relied upon for some goals from midfield is a, is a big big ask for him so which is why i think he'll play sort of 10 to 15 games including the cup competitions and um we'll see how that helps him obviously they're going to be higher quality games than than he might have played had he gone to a lower ranking club, but he's going to be playing less games. Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. It raises an interesting point, the whole balance of sending players out on loan versus bringing them through the system and what's more beneficial for the player. And, you know, some. I think it must be heavily personality dependent, actually. I think, I think different types of players um as individuals i don't mean different types technically but you know personality wise probably has a, a a very different sort of impact because some players really want to feel that they're part of united you know and and need that sense that they're building towards a first team place and and some just want to play every week i guess yeah and so and players develop at different rates of course and yeah uh, some fill out much later. Paul Scholes famously just wasn't physically able to cope with with first team football until he was nearly 20. Uh, David Beckham benefited from a spell of uh, on loan. Both John O'Shea and Johnny Evans also went on loan to Antwerp. Um, though that relationship has kind of cooled in recent years because uh, Antwerp played a lot of second division football. But some players they, they're just good enough and they're straight into the. I mean, Rooney didn't spend any time on loan anywhere either. You know, at Everton or United, he certainly wasn't going to when he he came to United. And uh, you wouldn't have said that. Um, you know, Messi would have ever been a candidate. He was quite obviously brilliant when he was 16, if if a midget. So uh, I think it's, it's about maturity of the player. Now, if, if Ferguson believes that a player is ready for the first team, he'll put him in the first team. Look at the pattern of his management. He's been less willing to do that in recent seasons. And that just might reflect the changing nature of, uh, of the, uh, the first team squad and priorities and also of the reserve leagues and the loan system and, and all of that. But we'll see. He's spoken very publicly about backing the younger players this season. Um, he's going to have to because he, he quite obviously hasn't been given much of a transfer budget. Um, no, Edward, that's not true. That's you being a Liverpool fan again. There's no value in the market. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, absolutely no value in the market. Uh, Joe Cole, free transfer. Mesut Ozil probably going for 12 million, as did Wesley Schleider. Not last year, but none of that is true. I'm just a United-hating 
lunatic. Yes, I'm glad we re-established that one, yeah. For whatever reason, Sir Alex Ferguson has not spent uh, very much money this summer, or nor last summer, and um, there's a very large uh, uh, you know, piece in the books that will say on August the 27th that uh, uh, United is running surplus on transfers over the last two years, uh, for whatever reason that might be. Uh, so- I'm going to tell you what reason that's for, Ed. I'm going to just lay it out on the line for you. This is radical, all right? Now, I don't want to freak anyone out here, but the reason that that's happening is because the club is leveraged way beyond the capacity of the people that own it to pay off that debt. Shock. You know. anti-United lunatic you. I've been corrupting people. That's <laughs> just, just, yeah, just such... Uh, the debate is... I found the debate extremely depressing, actually, over the summer. The, the, the kind of, you've just got to believe what Sir Alex says because look at his record. Well, the thing is, actually, you've got to assume that he's going to be successful as a football manager because look at his record, but not you've got to believe what he says because look at his record. Oh, no. Look at his record of what he says versus the actual truth, and you'll find one or two discrepancies where it suited uh, his purposes at the aforementioned being a successful football manager. Um, well, yeah, totally, and, and that is Ferguson all over. He he will uh, tell half or untruths to um, pretty much anybody as long as it suits his purpose, and it's and it, that kind of single-mindedness is one of the reasons why he's been so successful, of course. But it's quite frustrating as a fan who you know believes what he reads in the accounts, not what the papers are telling me or any other pundits. Uh, you know, I do understand accounting procedures and, uh, and what leverage means and exactly how that affects the club and amortization and all these other stupid accounting rules that I had to sit through in accounting classes and, and all that nonsense. Um, so it's quite frustrating for Ferguson to come out with this line because I know he's not being truthful because mm. I know that United... Uh, in, in their current financial structure cannot spend the kind of money they used to before the only alternative is that the Glazer family is not going to pay down the payment in kind debt and they will lose the club in 2017 that is the only alternative and anyone else who tells you something different is talking nonsense but of course that's just me the anti-United lunatic speaking yeah uh, talking of anti-United lunatic uh, I believe you've predicted um in print that we're going to finish second again. I'm sad, Ed. I, I want us to win the league this season, please. Well, well, I'd quite like that too, actually. Yeah, uh, that that would be quite nice, and I'd love to be proven wrong again. Um, I I just think there's a, a big creative midfield shaped hole in the United squad, um, and we haven't fixed the problems. Which, um, you know, not to blow my own trumpet here, I said in last season's preview that we had. N- hadn't fixed right namely we have an injury prone squad because there's quite a lot of old players so you tell me if there's anyone on the planet will be surprised when Rio Ferdinand Gary Neville Edwin van der Zaar, Ryan Giggs or Paul Scholes get injured you shouldn't yeah. be and, no. and even if they aren't the the latter two Scholes and Giggs uh, and of course Neville uh, probably won't be playing that many games anyway they can't play twice a week uh, it was absolutely incredible, I thought, that uh, Skulls and Giggs played the first four games in their entirety or, you know, close to it, quite a bit of it uh, on pre-season. It just, I couldn't, aside from the commercial need to have a couple of stars in the side, 
there was no need for them to play that many minutes with a long season ahead. And 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 then yeah, especially the the, the creative midfield or lack of it. I mean, Paul Scholes plays so deep, you can't call him a creative midfielder anymore. I mean, he's still a brilliant passer of the ball when he's not harassed off it by fitter younger legs but he will be harassed off it by fitter younger legs and that that's where you get the kind of inconsistency of performance we saw last season and Giggs's performances tailed off badly and you know why wouldn't they he's 37 he can't run up and down that bloody line quote unquote Alex Ferguson all day long so we're going to be reliant very heavily once again on Wayne Rooney and and also on on Nani and and Valencia providing providing from the wings you just wonder when uh, teams close it down through the middle of the park so play four at the back very very narrow where United's goals are going to come from and I don't think it was any surprise last season that United lost six games when they didn't score a goal so yeah that's why I'm predicting runs up it's not because I'm anti-United I just think there's a little bit of a gap here in the United squad and, and our rivals haven't strengthened City aside uh, yeah, Chelsea bought Ramirez a, a very smart buy they, they obviously had some problems in that in that position last season Michael Essien's back I think that's a I think he's a brilliant player hate to say it he is and United missed out big time on him and he'll add a lot to to Chelsea's squad Arsenal will be sort of there thereabouts and then I'm sure Spurs and, and Liverpool will sort of challenge for the top six places and I think there will be another big point spread um, much like last season you know where the, the gap between first and sixth wasn't as large as it had been in some seasons previously so that that's my rationale for, for what I think No I, I'm, I kind of agree I think I essentially agree with everything you've just said I, I can't think of significant points of disagreement anyway um i think we're in for an extremely similar season to the season that happened last season and i'm i'm hopeful that rooney will be able to perform at such extraordinary heights again it's it's definitely plausible i'm hopeful that chris smalling will provide a deeper level of centre-back cover although i think that's very unproven but it'd be great if that if that pans out um i'm hoping that michael carrick can uh rediscover some of his form of three three or four seasons ago um because i think that could make a big difference in midfield um and certainly it could make a big difference with our counter-attacking game uh being more effective i I agree with you that we're obviously lacking some sort of playmaking midfielder uh who can bomb i mean who can play in the final third um and in terms of the point spread uh, i think it's pretty clear that the only team in the premiership which is significantly stronger than they were last season is uh, manchester city and even that's not even definite because they're stronger in the sense that they've got a bigger more talented squad but that doesn't necessarily translate to success on the pitch directly although i i happen to agree with your prediction that they're going to finish third because I, I i think I guess you could say that Arsenal are probably a bit stronger than they were last season and uh, the fact that they've managed to hold on to Sesk for what can presumably only be one more year um, means that they'll they'll have a good push and I, I think they're probably a pretty decent dark horse shout for the Champions League um, although on that front, my goodness there's a, there's a heck of a lot of strengthening been going on at the top of La Liga because I don't know if you noticed this but Barcelona quite good last season and they've signed David Villa 
it, it just doesn't seem fair. And uh, Real Madrid have got the man who wins things at the helm. So I, I think, obviously, they're extremely favoured in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think, I mean, it's a rather obvious shout, isn't it? But I, I think those uh, those two uh, sides are the, the favourites of the Champions League. I own Barcelona, which is brilliant last season. They just came up short to a... A team that redefined parking of the bus, uh, but D- David V is just brilliant. He guarantees goals, and it's not like uh, Ibrahimovic actually performed badly last season. He got a good return, uh, but they've decided it's not enough, and uh, you know they they may or may not offload him depending on uh, who they can flog him to. I suppose there aren't too many candidates given how much um, how much he earns. But yeah, uh, Villa uh, up front it will score tons of goals for Barcelona. So clearly, yeah, I think they will be uh, better than last season's outfit. Um, they have some financial issues and, and flogged one of their reserve centre backs uh, back to the club. They bought him for for 10 million euros less. So you know some interesting goings on in the boardroom there. And then Real Madrid, well, they've got a manager who knows how to get the best out of his side. So he will do that. And I'm sure that Real Madrid will do, do better in Europe. I mean, they haven't qualified for quarterfinals for six years or something. So it'd be, I think it would just be a massive surprise if they don't do it again. He knows how to get it, get the best out of his players for those single matches. Now, whether they can top Barcelona's points total in La Liga is a different thing, of course. I mean, it's such a two-horse race that they'll probably have to both top to 100 points to, to beat each other. There's absolutely no signs that that's going to be anything other than a two-horse race whatsoever because uh, they've got stronger and their their rivals haven't at all. I think um, who Serie A is going to be quite interesting this season, um, given Jose has left Inter. I think there's there's going to be that's going to be probably quite competitive, um, and I think the Premiership will be competitive. I I, I can't see uh, Chelsea don't look much stronger as you said than they did last season, and we ran them very very close when we didn't have a defence for a month. So it's not out of the question that if I, I think that we probably have to get a little bit luckier than Chelsea to win the league. That's what that's what I think. I think we have to avoid some of the fairly likely pitfalls um, in terms of injury. Um, and I think you talked about Rio's fitness, which is obviously extremely questionable, uh, and it seems like statistically pretty unlikely that he's got going to get through the season in one piece which is a real shame because he's obviously phenomenally gifted um but uh Vidic um Vidic's fitness I think will be interesting and Vidic's form and fitness because he he obviously have to be the senior partner in defense and sometimes he's looked awesome doing that and sometimes last season he looked a bit shaky so uh, so I think he's going to be pretty crucial to our season well let, let's hope that new contract kind of settles him down because there did appear to be times that he wasn't quite as interested as perhaps he should be last season and all the talk throughout the season I mean it, it was clearly a contract dispute it was so obvious and uh, there were times when Ferguson he said that he didn't think the player wanted to hang around. He also blamed the player, said he had a mental problem with his injuries. So um, there were clearly some issues there. Perhaps, you know, with a new contract being signed, a big pay rise, uh, he'll be feel a little more settled. He can uh, send his wife off on holiday if she wants it and uh, shopping in Milan or wherever she fancied going. And uh, he'll be settled and uh, injury-free. It was a pretty bizarre sort of nerve injury he had last season. Rio, we can expect him to get injured again. He's had these back problems. It's causing all sorts of other problems. There's no reason to believe that it's suddenly going to clear up. It would just it'd be a miracle if it did. Um, and we just have to hope that Evans's progress continues. And Smalling, well, massively raw, isn't he? I, mean, I think we've seen in pre-season just how raw he is. 
he uh He's got a ton of pace. He's very imposing. He's obviously a massive unit. Uh, he will score goals from the back. Uh, he's a good passer of the ball. He makes some mistakes. And and that that's, I guess, one of the risks with uh, young, inexperienced players, as we've seen with Raphael um, I was well. I was, I was going to make that very segue uh, to, to say, do you think that this will be the season where Raphael does actually eliminate some of those... Uh, more impulsive traits from his game uh, or well let's say immature traits from his game and becomes uh, closer to the complete right back we think he could be yeah we'll see he he actually did a couple of the, he got the wrong side of a, a, an attacking player in pre-season a couple of times and uh, hauled a couple of players down so mm, well, uh, well we'll see how much he's learned uh, from that and uh, basically he should get a lot of games I mean John O'Shea's just coming back from um, uh, he had a knocking pre-season obviously had a long time out last season Neville is not fit at the moment so uh, Brown, Brown is fit so Raphael's got a good shot at starting the season at right back not not uh, nailed on guarantee by any re- uh, by any means um, and he's also picked up a, a virus uh, so he might not play on Sunday but he should be uh, fit for the Newcastle game um, and then, of course, there's his brother Fabio, who actually looked pretty good on preseason when he when he played. Uh, looks like he's the better defensive player. Um, you know, maybe not. Um, maybe he doesn't go forward as much, and we'll see that. Um, again, he's got the same on. It's funny how these brothers—they both had—they uh, both had hip injuries for a while, and they both got ankle injuries, and uh, now they've both got an illness at the same time. You know? Very odd. But so he might be out of Sunday as well. But you know, people are very hopeful that. Um, he will, you know, Fabio will be able to come into the squad too and, and perhaps ease some of the burden on uh, you know, Patrice Evra, who played a hell of a lot of games last season and really showed towards the end of the season. Well, he's not going to have to play too many international games, is he? Well, I uh, I think he, he, he may have said au revoir to Le Bleu. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in terms of uh, talented young players um, who have not yet proved their worth, um when he's not being pulled out unconscious from a burning car, how is uh, Anderson's recovery going? Do you know? Uh, he's he's back in full training. Uh, what well, batting light training? He'll be full training in the next two weeks, and he might play towards the end of September or the beginning of October. Uh, obviously, been out a long time, so I, I guess they'll give him some uh, reserve games first before he's back in the first team picture. I think the bigger issue is his attitude problem. Which you know has been evident for a hell of a long time. Here's here's a kid who's a millionaire and probably thinks he's made it. More interested in the bling than and the girls and the hookers, um, you know, if you believe that story, um, than uh, being sensible and and uh, driving his car into a lamppost at 7 a.m. after coming out of a nightclub doesn't bode well. Gotta say, it it really was not a good story. That was it. No, and uh, I guess he's lucky he's not dead, um, brain dead maybe, but um, not actually dead. We'll, we'll see. I, I don't have a lot of hopes for Anderson because he's not progressed at all in three years. But um, a lot of people, and I've had this debate with many United fans, um, have a lot of faith in him that he can um, transform himself into the, the creative heartbeat of the United side. I, I think it would be a miracle from here, but if he does, that would be fantastic. So let's hope that this is a season of miracles and um, it it, it goes as well as it could possibly go rather than as badly as it could possibly go. I'm going to retain optimism and say we're going to get slightly fortunate and win the league because um, I think that Carlo Ancelotti's uh, of, you know, he's maybe not quite a match for Sir Alex. And I think that 
if if the cards fall right despite the uh the challenges we're facing we're, we're clearly clearly going to be challenging up there if not winning it um i i don't think we're going to win the champions league this season i really really don't um but i, I i'm i'm gonna go for what i exactly what i did last year and so that we're going to win the league again um i was wrong last year but let's hope that uh, i'm not wrong this year no let's let's hope you let's hope you're not i i think we'll be just short um you know a few points here or there uh, I, I don't I, I'm with you on the Champions League I just don't see how we've got the quality in it. unless we uh, do an Inter and park the bus um, I, I just can't see it happening and uh, that kind of leaves one of the, the minor cup competitions I think Sir Alex clocked onto this because he started playing the the big boys in the Carling Cup quite early and I remember us uh, talking about it on this very podcast about how important the Carling Cup might become in the over the course of the season because it was a real shot of silverware and it's important for a club like United to continue doing that. And yes, it's only the Carling Cup, but I think uh, one of the cup competitions as well it might might turn out to be uh, quite key for United this season in another season of transition. But the one thing that you're not counting on, Ed, the one thing that you haven't taken into your complicated mathematical equations when you work out who's going to win the league is that Dimitar Berbatov's going to score 25 goals. Yes, yes, ab- absolutely. He he most certainly is if he gets transferred to another club. Um, <laughs> yes, um, and uh, we're going to aim for a season of regular rank casts. Um, I don't want to go out on a crazy limb here, but we've kind of agreed a recording schedule. We're gonna we're gonna like record every Friday morning, um, and you're gonna try and get it up Friday afternoons all season long so you can expect your fix of us rambling me incoherently and ed insightfully um and i'll ask ed questions um one thing we might need to do ed is put a donation button on the website because i really can't afford sky sports this season so i'm gonna be saying a lot of things like well on match of the day it looked like uh, so that's that's probably not going to be that helpful, but but I, I will do my best to uh, acquire matches as 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 I possibly uh, uh, can. Uh, yeah, well, you know, my Sky Sports subscription and uh, ticket budget, yeah, you know, will be maxed to the limit. Unfortunately, as always, um, that's just the way it is with with football these days. But um, you can always stream the games online. So I've heard from someone who tells me these things in there. Uh, Who's, you know, used to doing these illegal things, which, of course, I absolutely do not partake in. No, um, although you, when we were off the air, you're going to have to show me how you do that. Um, I was in uh, in a shopping centre the other day and uh, walked past a big sign saying, if you subscribe to Sky Sports, we'll give it you free on your iPhone. And I was thinking, well, there's absolutely no way I can afford to do it. But they might have just found a way of convincing me to do it anyway. Because that's ridiculous. You'd be wherever you like. It works in on 3G as well. You have to watch football on the bus. That's the dream. Enjoy, enjoy that minimal 320 pixel experience. Um, <laughs> and in the meantime, we will be back next Friday. We certainly will, and uh, it's it's a pleasure to be back. Uh, I think it's going to be another fantastic season full of ups and downs. And um, one thing's for sure, you can expect United rant to go from strength to strength.